0: Well, amen. Well, we have had a good week with Brother Hanks, and we are going to be sad to see him go. He's done such a fabulous job. And boy, I'll tell you what, I was encouraged as uh, Brother McCurry mentioned that, well, unbeknownst to Brother Hanks, that he himself was impacted by the ministry that Brother Hanks had at his church. Can I tell you that that just encouraged me because I got thinking, how many people have you impacted that you have no clue you've impacted? You say, well, I just uh, every once in a while throw a track out there to somebody or I'll talk to somebody about the Lord or maybe I'll be kind to somebody that's having a hard day. Well, you don't realize, I'm telling you, until we get to heaven and we gather around the throne of God, we will never really know exactly how our lives have impacted others. Man, that was encouraging. That was a blessing. I know that encouraged Brother Hanks, and i tell you what, it encouraged me. And we ought to be encouraged to go out and do our very best for the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that whether we see the result or not today, God's doing something, and he's going to use us to do it. Brother Hanks, you come preach for us. Thank you very much. Appreciate that.
1: Church family, I want to say thank you again for letting us come. You know, it's my first time here. And uh, I have been blessed. And I'm not just saying that. I like it that you're friendly. I, you know, I want to tell you, if you've ever gone to other churches before, and I don't go to a lot, but I go to churches, and, you know, sometimes you walk in and nobody says a word to you. Everyone just sits in their seat, and uh, they don't move. And I, I'm thankful that you all are not like that. And, again, you just made me feel at home. Thanks again, uh, Brother O'Donnell, Pastor O'Donnell. I should call him Grandpa but O'Donnell is what I should. But uh, <laughs> do you see him down here with these kids tonight? Is that not what a grandfather does? I'm just telling you, all right. But uh, anyway, it was a blessing. But he's been a blessing to me. And again, we don't know each other. This is the most time we've ever spent together. I think we've met each other just a couple of times. And you know, somebody walked out. I think it was this morning. And they asked pastor. They said, uh, "Why did you have him come if you didn't know? You never, you didn't know him." And uh, he says, "I don't know." But anyway, um, <laughs> now I'm just joking. He didn't say that, but. Anyway, it's true. So obviously, this is a divine appointment, and so I, I appreciate, again, everything that uh, they've done for us. They've treated us like royalty while, we, while we've been here, and I appreciate that. You know, the last service, I don't know, uh, for me, I, I believe that every message, that God has a particular message for a particular people for a particular time. I believe that every message. Um, if At Heritage, I feel that way. I feel like I'm preaching out. I feel like there are no accidents when it comes to preaching the Word of God, because we do not preach sermons. We preach messages. And so a preacher does not get up there and he just goes through his file and say, okay, I have preached this before and it worked. That's not, that's not how you preach. If we believe that you're God's people and he wants to speak to you, then all we are is that conduit. We want to make sure that we have the message for the hour. So to be honest, I've been very nervous about tonight um, because I just felt like I did not have direction uh, for this particular service until this afternoon. And I just, uh, I just want you to know, I, I guess I walk into, the, walk into here, there's always a weight on a preacher, and it should, and it's, and likely it should be, because you never want to get up and speak to people, and you're the only one speaking. You want the Lord to speak, and so again, uh, I'm. I look at the fellows that are around here. And there's so many uh, young men, and uh, and you have a good balance in your church, far as young and old. But you have so many young men, and I want to tell you fellows, um, be sensitive to what the Lord wants for your life. You know, I preached my first message, my father was my pastor, I preached my first message in Salt Village Baptist Church, and I'll never forget, it was 6 o'clock church training hour, and I preached that, we always had 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock services. I tell you the funny thing about that is, growing up, dad would have Sunday school, and then he would Sunday morning service, and then he'd have a 6 o'clock church training hour, and then a 7 o'clock evening service. Now, I just want to tell you the difference between the 6 o'clock service and the 7 o'clock service, nothing, All right. <laughs> It was both were preaching services, so he would preached to everybody at six, and then he preached to everybody at seven. It's just, I mean, that's how I grew up all of my life. I grew up in a church where there was no air conditioning, and I, we grew up in Chicagoland area, and it got hot in the summer, and you would just sit there and sweat while the preacher was preaching, and we'd have windows that were open, which would blow more warm air in, all right? And so that's how, that's how I grew up. So when I went to Heritage, God called me there. I, I became a school teacher first, worked for my father in the school there, and then the Lord called me to pastor, and so I went to Heritage. Uh, Heritage only had one evening service at 6 o'clock, and they had air conditioning in their building. I was in heaven. (laughs) My dad called me a compromiser, all (laughs) righty. I still only have one service on Sunday night, though. I'm just telling you, but... uh... Anyway, so you young, you fellas, So anyway, I got to preach that one night in Sauk Village, and I remember my first message. And after i got done preaching that message, I came down, and Brother Buchanan, he always sat on the second row. We only had two two main rows. He always sat on the second row. When I came down, he met me. Now, Brother Buchanan was older. I bet back then he had to have been in his late 60s. I'm gonna guess, and he was in the church. Ever, I mean, ever all the all of my life. And when I walked down there, and I got done preaching, here's what he said: "You'll never be a preacher." That's, that's what he told me. And then his second statement was, You don't preach like your dad. <laughs> now, I just want to tell you how encouraging that was. <laughs> I'm just telling you, God uses us like we are. All righty. So, no matter what you think you can or cannot do, God can do anything. And so, again, I hope that you'll think that through. Now, tonight, I want to take you back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 tonight. So, if you'll go back there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'm going to do my best to stay in here a little bit. I want to move out over to another passage briefly. And uh, I got a, a, a nice note from one of the, uh, the young ladies here. And uh, uh, I won't tell you what her name was. But anyway, she gave me this note. And it was in a little box. And I didn't open it till today. And it had a Snickers candy bar in it. And then it had a note. And it said, thank you for coming to the Community Baptist Church. Hopefully, you won't forget your glasses next time. <laughs> Tie Everybody is so encouraging, amen? So anyway, I thought that was a blessing. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Church family, I want to I point something out here. And again, I know that there's nothing new under the sun. You might have read, heard this or read this before. Obviously, it's in the scripture. I want to just point out something with you, uh, tonight about the word grace that's mentioned in this particular uh, passage. And I want to really pinpoint something tonight. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1, you got, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. If you jump down to verse number 6, In so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. Uh, if you go a little farther down in verse number 7, the last phrase, it says that ye abound in this grace also. If you jump down to verse number 19, it says, and Not that only, but but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace. If you flip over to the next chapter, chapter eight and nine go together, but chapter number nine and look down in verse number eight, it says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. It's amazing how many times the word grace is mentioned in this passage, and it's specifically talking about three different things. And I wanna point out those three different things about grace, and it all goes with missions tonight, and it's about grace. And I wanna talk to you on this subject tonight grace for grace. And you'll understand where we're going here in just a moment on this particular thought. Let's ask the Lord's blessing again and we'll get started. Our Father in heaven, thank you again for your grace to me. Thank you for letting me come. Thank you again for Pastor Don on this church. Lord, I ask you to please bless them. Lord, again, keep them on the right path. Help them to stay focused. Help them, Father, to get the gospel to the world, both here and beyond. Father, thank you again for your word now. Would you please use it in our hearts and lives? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When you walk through 2 Corinthians 8, and it talks about the grace of God in verse number 1, it talks about the grace of the churches of Macedonia in much of the chapter. And then it's also going to talk about the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to, I want to read through, through these things, but I want to go backwards tonight, if you don't mind. Now, we're talking about missions. Again, we're finishing up uh, this missions conference to remind us, why do we give to missions? And what does God do for us because of missions? 2 Corinthians 8 has a lot to say about grace. Now, before I get running tonight and, uh, for just a few moments, let me just th- think about this word grace. The word grace in Scripture always, or say always, uh, as far as I know, almost every time in Scripture the word grace, is, it's talking about this idea, and I don't like defining words with words, but it's graciousness. It's giving extra. In fact, I like it because in the definition is the word dessert, and I like dessert, all right? How many in here love dessert? How many think dessert's the most important part of the meal? Would you raise your hand, all right? All the Christians have their hands up, all right? <laughs> I just love dessert. I like ice cream. I like chocolate. I like pie. I mean, anything that's sweet, I like it. Today, I walked into the Sunday school class, and I was in the young couples class. At least they thought they were young, all right? But I, I was in the young couples class today, and they had gotten Panera Bread uh, bagels. And, uh, and I, do, I make it a habit not to eat on Sunday morning before I preach on Sunday morning. Now, I don't mind eating in the afternoon, but for whatever, I've always done that. So this morning, I walked in there, and they didn't just have bagels. You know, they had cinnamon crunch bagels in that box. Now I'm just telling, if you have never had a cinnamon crunch bagel from Panera Bread, you have not lived. You know, it's one thing to have a bagel You know, to me, a plain bagel, how many plain bagel people are you? You're a plain bagel. Raise your hand. Let's just find out if you like plain bagels. All right? A few of you blah type people. All right? (laughs) I want a bagel with some flavor, a blueberry bagel. But I want to tell you, the cinnamon crunch bagel, I'm just telling you, that's grace. (laughs) It's in the Bible, I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. That's grace. Because it's not just a bagel, it has all the extra cinnamon and sugar on top of it. Can I just tell you that the life that we live, when we talk about grace, Grace is God giving us more than we deserve. It's, to me, I, it's almost the opposite of mercy. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us more than we deserve. You know, the Christian life that we get to live, and I was talking to Pastor O'Donnell, and, and, he's so, and he's so right when he was talking. We were sitting in fellowship, and you know there are pastors sometimes, they get so discouraged about where they're at. And I've heard guys say before, every Monday morning I want to resign. And I'm not like that either, Okay. I just figured that God has a will for your life, and if you're living in God's will, there's no better life than God's will for your life. So if God's will for your life is to to, to, to secular work, then that's the best life you could ever live. It's like a person saying, I have people in our church, oh, I just wish I wasn't in Kansas. I wish I was, and they want to name some place, whether it's Florida or somewhere else. Well, I want to just tell you something. If you're in the perfect will of God, that's the best place you can possibly be. But you think about the grace of God in your life. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. The grace of God in your life, if you're married, God's given you a spouse. He's given you children. He's given you a church. He's given you a job. He's given you good health. Can I just tell you, we don't deserve all of that. That's the grace of God. Now, this morning, or this evening, excuse me, I want to just talk about these three types of graces that are mentioned in 2 Corinthians 8, and it's about missions, and I want to go backwards instead of forwards, all right? So let's go back to verse number 9 now, and we're going to work our way backwards. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and 9, of course, being that of, of missions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, jump, jump down to verse number 9. Again, I'm not reading everything this morning, but we will as tonight, but we'll go backwards in this. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse number 9, it says this, For ye know the, what's the word? Grace, Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now, church I know this is the evening service, and I can't do an injustice to the scripture. So let me just stop real quickly and say this. We've already had missions messages on 2 Corinthians 8. And we understand that in 2 Corinthians 8, it's the the churches of Macedonia, which would have been Berea, Philippi, and Thessalonica. They gave to the missionary and God blessed them for their giving to the missionary. And Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthian church and saying, hey, listen, I want you to learn from the example of the churches of Macedonia, how they took care of the missionary and what God did for them. Now, going backwards with that, Paul uses an illustration of grace, and the illustration is Jesus. In verse number 9, he talks about the grace of Jesus Christ. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was yet rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Now, can I just tell you the first thing, the first type of grace and missions that there is, it's the grace of Christ to the sinner. How many are saved tonight? Say Amen. That means Jesus died for you and his grace giving you more than you deserve is giving you a home in heaven, paid your sin debt on the cross of Calvary. And in my opinion and what I understand, that Jesus Christ went through all the agony and all the pain and took my sin upon himself so that I don't have to pay that sin debt. That's grace. Church, I mean, think for a moment. You could have been born in Iran. You could have been born in Iraq. You could have been born in a Muslim family that had never heard the truth, but the Lord allowed you to somehow, way, come across the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you bowed your head and prayed, and you accepted Christ as your Savior. That's grace. Amen. That is grace. So the first grace that, he's, that Paul, again, it's the third grace that he mentions in the, in the order of, of the chapter, but one of the first things I want you to see tonight is this, before we ever get to the missionary work that needs to be done, there was grace given to me. I, I was able to re- be raised in a Christian home, and I heard the gospel over and over and over and over and over until at age 11 I accepted Christ as my Savior. That was grace. God didn't have to do that. How many people do we meet that don't know Christ as their Savior? And some of it's because they've been taught something that, obviously, a false doctrine or error, and they're confused or they're blinded to that. Now, it's a wonderful thing to know that you're saved. And the, How do we know that we're saved? Because the Bible tells us that we're saved when you put your faith in Christ. So, I first, so first of all, I see the grace that is given to the sinner. Now look at second grace, all right? The second grace was the churches of Macedonia. And I want you to notice this one here. All right. Now, remember now, church family, look at, uh, let's pick it up in verse number one. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God, we'll talk about that last, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And he's going to describe those churches in Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Brother Stephen, uh, uh, Kavanaugh and I were talking a little bit about this verse, about this idea of they gave beyond their power. And sometimes, to be honest, I think I've even said that before, possibly. But that's not what the scripture says. They did not give beyond their power. They were willing to give beyond their power. Church, I mean, according to verse number 11 and 12, God's not going to ask you to give more to missions than what you have. But you ought to be willing to give more than you have. Does that make sense? So they were willing to give beyond their powers, what the Bible says in verse number three. Verse number four, praying us, begging us with much entreaty that we, the the, the missionary, which was Paul, would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship, the partnership and the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Verse six says, "Inasmuch as as we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Church family, I I don't want to bore you tonight. But can you see it in Scripture that what Paul's talking about, he said, I want to send Titus, and I want Titus to teach you this same type of grace. What grace was he talking about? The graciousness of the churches of Macedonia to fulfill the missionary need. Are you with me so far? Say amen. All right. that, that's what he's talking about. Then he continues with this word grace. Verse number seven, therefore as ye abound, in other words, you're, you're exceeding in these things, faith and utterance and knowledge and diligence and your love to us. See that ye abound in this grace also. What grace? The grace of giving, the grace of taking care of the missionary, the grace of sending support over for the ministering of the saints. He goes on to say, uses the illustration of Jesus in verse nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now jump down to verse number 19. All right, verse 19. And not that only... But I'm I'm going to back this up a little bit. Verse 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. So Paul says, Titus has a concern for you at the church at Corinth. Verse 17. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us, with us, with this grace. Now, church, let me just stop for just a moment here, okay? I feel like I'm doing a lot of teaching tonight instead of preaching, but follow me for just a moment here. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul says there's a brother unnamed. There's a brother that is coming from you with this grace. And the reason for that is it kept the accountability of the missions money that was being given by this unnamed brother. That, and then he says this in this verse here. He says in verse number uh, 19, he says, uh, traveled with us with this grace, which is this grace, this missionary offering, which is administered by us, the missionary, to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, talking about the, the, the gift that was given, which is administered by us, the missionary, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Now, this is a message another time about the honesty of missions giving and where it goes and who's spending it and the accountability of it all. I'm just going to say this and run. When it comes to missions giving, God's way of accountability for all of our missions giving is the person who gives it, the church who sends it, and the missionary who spends it. And I want to tell you, God always blesses missionary giving. Always blesses missionary giving. And Apostle Paul says we are careful to make sure that we administer that missionary giving right. All right, now listen. Let me, let me see if I can help you tonight, all right? Uh, could you three fellows help me real quick if you don't mind? All right, they were sleeping on the front row. That's why I called you up here, all right? All right, you three guys stand right across the front here, right, right behind me here. Now, just me, here's the here's where I'm trying to get to tonight. And again, uh, I appreciate you staying with me tonight. But here's where I'm trying to go. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and it talks about missions given, you're going to find three types of, of grace. Now, I know this is not good typecasting. This is Daniel, right? Yes. All right, Because believe me, we know what Daniel. But we're going to pretend that this is Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm really sorry. Okay, I know there's not a picture of Jesus Christ because obviously he's holy, but I'm just going to use a person to illustrate here. Jesus Christ showed grace to the sinner. Good typecasting ca- type now? Yes. All right. All right. Good. So if you're Daniel, who are you again? Isaac. That's what I thought, all right, Isaac, all right? So Isaac is going to be a picture of the sinner, all right? That's, that's you and I. So here's what we have. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he showed grace to us. So he passed that grace on to the sinner. Then you have, as the sinner, which would be a representation of the churches of Macedonia, the churches of Macedonia said, hey, listen, we're going to show grace also in that giving. You know, they, and they gave to the missionary, Now, church, let me think for just a moment here. When we give to missions, we don't know how they're spending that money. We don't know if they're on the foreign field or living in a big house. We don't know, uh, you know, what what they're doing with their time or their efforts. But we give out of grace. In other words, whether they deserve it or not, we're giving that grace giving. We're giving it to the missionary. All right. Now, follow me now. Go back to verse number one. All right. I want to see how this all fits together. In 2 Corinthians 8, and verse number 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia. Now, here's, what, here's the thought tonight. This grace from Jesus Christ goes to the sinner because we don't deserve that grace. We don't deserve to go to heaven. Jesus Christ died on the cross... And because of that forgiveness, we, we've been forgiven of all of our sins. It doesn't matter, past, present, and future. God's forgiven us of those sins. And we're saved because of the grace that Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. If you're thankful for that, say amen. amen. Then you have, now that we're saved, we're sinners. And as sinners, what do we do? We try to get the gospel to a lost and dying world like the churches of Macedonia. And we pass that grace on. Now, I'm going to do this because he's up here. We kind of pass that grace on to the missionary. But church family, I have never had a missionary send me money. I have never had a missionary say, hey, listen, we heard you had a need at the Heritage Baptist Church, so we're going to send some money back for your church. I've never had that happen. But it does happen. You know why? Because it's not the missionary that sends it back. It's God. Think about verse number one. Go back to verse one, one again. Look at it one more time. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, to know, the word wit, to know of the grace of God... Bestowed on what? Church of Macedonia. Church, I mean, if you understand the passage correctly in 2 Corinthians 8, it was those churches of Macedonia that was the example to the Corinthian church of giving to missions out of their deep poverty. And guess what happened? According to verse number one, God showed grace to those churches. So, Church of I Macedonia, here's what happens in the Christian life Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and he gave you grace. And you decided today that you're going to give. To, on a faith promise missions on a regular basis that you can send the gospel to a lost and dying world and you showed grace to the missionary. But God says it's not going to stop there because I'm not going to allow you to give grace without me giving grace back. So God gives the grace back to you. Can I just tell you, that's grace not to him. Jesus doesn't need Grace. Definitely a sinner. I'm just telling you. Sinner. <laughs> All right. Church family, as a sinner, we not only receive grace, but we get grace. How do you get that grace? You got that grace when you got saved. You get that grace when you give to missions. What's grace? I want to tell you what grace is. Grace is dessert. Grace is the kindness of God. Beyond what I deserve. Family, I not I'm guessing you do this all the time, and I know that you do it through your pastor, but your pastor's been very gracious to me since I've been here, and I want to just tell you how. When I got to the airport, I've never in my life had somebody rent me a car to come to the church ever. And I like it. <laughs> I didn't know churches did that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you, and I know some of you tonight, what a pastor waste the money on renting him a car. Because he didn't know me, and he didn't want to see me, and he didn't want to talk to me, that's why. <laughs> but your pastor, through you, spent extra money to be gracious to me. Amen. I didn't need a car rented. I, I, they could have picked me up and transport, transported me around. But you know what? Your church has shown grace. Today, your pastor, he took me out to eat. And, uh, and I... I he says, hey, you like pork chops? I said, yeah, I like pork chops. So he takes me to this place this, this afternoon, and I, and I got two. when it came out, it had two pork chops on it. And it was kind of pork chops that, you know, they take pictures of and put in recipe books. I'm just telling you, it had all the flavoring on it. It leaned on, you know, kind of the light just hit it, and it kind of just glared at you. I mean, I, and they were good. I'm just telling you, I could have gone to a fast food joint. I could have had a Big Mac. But I want to tell you something, he's been very gracious since I've been here, which, again, is not just for him, but a show of you. Can I just tell you, your entire life, the Christian life, is about all those extra things that God does for you that he doesn't have to do for you. I don't know if you made your commitment this morning, but I'm just trying to tell you, all of you got the grace coming from this direction. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, and if you accepted Jesus Christ, you got the grace. But not all of you are going to receive the grace coming from this direction if you're not given to missions. You got your Bible? Look at chapter 9 for just a second here. You're there at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Look at chapter 9. This is interesting what he says about this thing about grace. Look at chapter 9, verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also, what's the word? And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also, what? Every man, not some, not most, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth, what? And then as soon as he gets done talking about giving, look what he says in verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I don't know if you caught it. In verse number eight, he says all grace. He says all sufficiency. He says all things. Church family, this is not just about your paycheck and whether you're gonna get a raise or not because you gave to missions. He said all things. All things. I think, that, I think that means all things. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and showed me grace. I don't deserve to be saved. What you saw a few moments ago on the video, as far as all the people that don't know Christ as their Savior, I think he said one-third of the world only knows about the gospel. I think two-thirds not. Can you imagine how many people do not know about Jesus Christ? They just simply don't know about grace. I'm sitting in auditorium tonight, and probably, I don't know this, but probably almost every one of you know Christ is your Savior. And you're not saved because of your own works, because the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved. Grace. So I accepted that Grace. I realized I was a sinner bound for all needing a Savior, and I said, Christ is my Savior. Then later in my life, I started giving to missions, starting with $5, but, and it's grown over the years in giving to missions. And as I give to missions, and I started when, I, I think I started just before I got married, but I started giving to missions, and uh, our church was not a real big push as far as even missions conference and like that. It's just I started giving to missions. And then when we got married, every, we, when I moved to Heritage, we'd always had missions conference every year, and every year... My uh, give to missions and I look back at my life right now and I want to just tell you I've had so many things in my life that have happened and I'm not just talking about money things my daughter uh, Stephanie is my fourth from the bottom I think and Stephanie is 14 I think she's 14 years old Stephanie is Stephanie uh, was playing on a jungle gym, it has the big 4x4s, was playing on a jungle gym. I had gotten it from, a, from a, uh, something I was doing, and I brought it to the house, but I had not anchored it down yet. And I was out of town. I was four, four and a half hours away. And Stephanie got on that, and my older daughter, which was the oldest, she was on that jungle gym with her, and the, the weight of the two of them on it knocked that jungle gym over, and it fell upon Stephanie. It fell on her face. My wife immediately called me. She ran to the hospital. I was, I was away. I came back as quickly as I possibly could. Our local hospital says, you know, she's bruised pretty bad, but she's, she's going to be okay. And uh, and about the time she came out of the hospital locally, I got there, and I said, something's not right here. So we took her to Kansas City, in Chicago, uh, Kansas City, excuse me, uh, Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. And when we got there, they did their stuff, and they said, your daughter's nose is knocked, knocked off of her skull. We are going to have to do it surgery and open her up from ear to ear, bring her face down, and screw her nose back to her skull. You know, I was so glad that I took her to another hospital. You say, well, bad things happen, but I'm going to tell you something. It could have been a whole lot worse. She could have died. I think sometimes we forget about in our own lives all the little things that happen in our life that we just take for granted. And I'm just telling you, there's many of you here, you've been given to missions for such a long time, I think sometimes you forget that all that is is grace. All that is is grace. You know, my wife and I, I can't tell you why we couldn't have children. Um... I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why. We didn't. I know there's probably some in here. I know you're probably struggling, too, not being able to have them. It was a real struggle. My wife, she'd cry herself to sleep every night. I say every night, seemingly. But she'd cry herself to sleep because all the people in our church back then, they would have they were having babies off right and left. And Station and I wanted children. And in fact, before we got married, she said, how many kids do you want? I said, I want 14.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, we laugh about that now. So we didn't, So obviously, we couldn't have children. After seven and a half years, we adopted, our, uh, adopted a little child. After 12 years, we adopted our second one. And then my, when we adopted our second one, eight days later, we had one, and then another one, then another one, another one, another one. So that's when, how we ended up with eight. So that's why I have a 10-year-old home. Just you can do that. C- can I just tell you that I look at everything in life is divine appointment, God's will, and grace. I don't, we didn't deserve any children. That was grace. Yes. And if God decided not to give us any children, it's still grace. Because right. he, he knows what's best for our life. Amen. I just wish I had another job. You better think about grace. Yeah. Right. I, wish I, I wish I could go here. I wish I could do this. You better think about grace. I'm just telling you that the reason the Church of Macedonia got grace is because they took care of the missionary. And the missionary had never once thought about taking care of them, but God did. Yeah. So when I look at this, I think, about this, I think about this when I look at this chapter. There's only three types of grace mentioned in this chapter about missions. It's the grace that Jesus gave me when he died on the cross for my sin. It's, what I, it's the grace that I give when I take care of the missionary. And it's the grace that God gives back to me because of giving to the missionary. That's the grace of God. Listen, if you didn't make any commitment, that's between you and God. But I don't know about, I don't know about you, but you're missing out on grace. What God wants to do for you. Just simply by giving to missions. You ought to give to missions. And can I just tell you, the rest of you that are giving to missions, can I just remind you that the reason God's been so good to you is because grace for grace. He gives you grace, you give grace, he gives grace back. That's how God's going to do it. And I think he's going to do that for all of our life. So guess what? Keep giving because you can never outgive God. And no matter how much grace you show to others, God always shows more grace to you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Fellas, thank you so much for your help tonight. Grace for grace. I cannot give more grace than God gives me, and he's been very gracious to me. Grace. Aren't you glad for God being gracious? Are you here tonight not saved? Can I just tell you God wants you to be saved? His grace, Jesus died for you. Let's all stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed. Maybe tonight you just need to thank the Lord